Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose. This is a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind turning your daydreams into phenomenal successes. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Isisara Bay. I first saw Isisara speak at a women's business event in New York City about seven years ago, and I was so impressed with her energy, her intelligence, her authentic message that I make a point to try to catch events that she speaks at whenever I get the opportunity. And I saw her recently up in Syracuse at an event and was very happy to reconnect with her there. Isisara has a corporate and media background. She's frequently a keynote speaker. She owns a consultancy company called Journey Agent Productions, and she considers herself a journey agent to help guide her clients on their path. I'm thrilled to have her here. Isisara, welcome. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much, Ellen. Yes, no, thank you. And I feel like I could just talk with you for hours. However, I know we don't have that much time. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to jump right in and ask you about your work as a journey agent. How do you define that term? What is that? I first heard the term journey agent from a song by the jazz musician Rasan Roland Kirk. And the song was called Theme for the Ulippians. And it started with a woman reciting some prose about a journey agent, someone who goes along the byways and by the piers and collects the artists, nurtures the artists and inspires them and collects them together. And I loved that feeling of being with people and helping them find their own artistry in life, not just creativity in the uh, creative arts sense, but how to be creative in the way that we live. And the other thing with the journey agent was not that he just got people and pointed them in direction, but he was journeying himself. And that's how I see myself as well. So the people that I work with, I am working with and learning just as they are learning. Oh, I love that definition. That's really great. Thank you. And so a lot of the listeners of my show I'm finding are you know, kind of searching around for their purpose, trying to get an alignment, or they're feeling stuck, um, perhaps, you know, like in a job that they don't like, or in, in some circumstance that they feel they can't get out of, or they don't know how to get out of. And, and frequently they listen to the show for inspiration and ideas and tips. And I just want to talk about this idea of um, alignment and purpose and... Um, you know, what, what, comment on that for me, please. Sure, sure. There was something that you said that reminded me of something. I know a lot of people are talking about and searching for their purpose. So two things come to mind. The first is when you say it in that way, it feels like there's just one set thing people are designed or created to do. And I think that's very limiting and it's misleading. I think our purpose like life itself, flows. And so we may have several purposes and for specific periods of time. Nothing is absolutely finite. We are in a universe of ebb and flow. We are in 
a world, a planet of ebb and flow, uh, what the Japanese called yin and yang, uh, what goes around comes around, uh, the pendulum swinging from one side to another. So to say that I'm living my life and I must find this one purpose just limits us. I, for a long period of time, had the purpose of being the best student I could be, of learning as much as I could. It didn't mean I got got A's, but it meant that I really got into being in school, finding my leadership, expressing myself in the arts, discovering the social causes I believed in, exploring literature, learning to love to, to write. That was my purpose for a long period of time. And after that came my purpose to express it in a way in which I could be both of service to others and to make money, to add to my own livelihood and the livelihood of the world. After a period of time, I had a purpose of being a wife. And I did that for several years until my husband died. And then after that, I had the purpose of being a parent. And my daughter is now 22 years old. So some of my life purposes extend for long periods of time. They have a period of time where it is intensely focused on that. The other thing about purpose, too, is that underneath all of the things that I just said that I do and that has been my purpose, the underlying thread is my essence. It's who I am and what I believe in. So I think before we get to what is our purpose, it may be also helpful to understand what is our own North Star? What do I believe in beneath and as the foundation of everything else? And so for me, it would be I am a spiritual being having a human existence and that I have talents and abilities and a connection to all of life beyond my comprehension. And my time here on Earth is to express as many of those as possible. And then after that, I move into the things that I may like. That's a big indication of what one's purpose is. What do you enjoy doing? When you don't have anything to do, what is it that you go to doing? What kinds of things are in your mind that you'd love to learn? Because your purpose may lie in the pursuit of something. And when you move forward in it, all of a sudden something unfolds and blossoms. So I think more than anything, I want to get the idea across that we are in a flow of life, that the arc of history is not a timeline as we learned in school from past to present, one straight line and future. It is a circle, it is a spiral of past, present and future coexisting in this now, in this ever present now. And so it helps if we look at our life like that as a flow. Some things rise, some things fall away, but in the midst of it and at the heart of it, we are. Wow, Isisar. See, this is why I said I could just listen to you for hours. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I like the way you answered that because it isn't a singular answer. It's not a simple answer. And you touched upon something I wanted to bring up, which is doing the things that you like and doing the things you're good at. And I think that frequently those gifts are an indication of how you can best serve, mm -hmm. which is tied into purpose. You know, it's yes. the, the clues are there. They, and like you said, it's, it's the essence and, and it's not a singular answer. It's all connected. Every, all of, all of the parts you mentioned, they're all connected. So, yeah. Well, haven't you discovered as you move forward as a, a a businesswoman and a career adult, 
many things that you learned early in life or a long, long time ago, they come into play at some period of time or another in what you're doing. I don't believe any knowledge is ever wasted. I think that we get things from them that we use in ways we cannot even account for now in the future. So it's lifelong learning in a sense and nothing is wasted. Yeah, that's so true. And it it's really helped me as I've grown as a business person and an adult to accept that and to understand that and to believe that so that when something doesn't quite go my way, it's always an opportunity to learn. And y- you just know it's going to come back later and be beneficial. So it, it, it's... Um, I think it helps me to be a bit braver and to try new things and not worry so much about the outcome. That's a good thing to remember because, you know, worry tends to be our second nature, almost hard to avoid. I met a woman who's an actor. We worked together and count me in. Do you remember Hillary Blair? Oh, I do. Yes. Yes. And she had a wonderful way of telling people who were practicing doing their business pitches of speaking to just reframe things. So, Everyone gets up and says, I'm so nervous. And she says, what about I'm so excited? Because it has the same physical qualities, a little butterfly feeling in your stomach, a little tremor going through you. Perhaps you might perspire a little bit. But when you're excited about something and nervous about something, the body tends to translate it in similar kinds of ways. So we can help ourselves by reframing how we look at things mentally, because then it'll help us feel better. I feel much better about being excited about something than I do about being nervous about it. Absolutely. And you're putting out a whole different energy when you're saying those words even to those around mm-hmm. you. And well, it's claiming some power. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, that's another good tip, Isisara. I knew you'd be full of these golden nuggets. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know what I wanted to talk with you about is a grit. You mentioned it earlier, and I see that it is part of your ethos. And uh, so I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure I understood it in all of its definitions. I think it's a powerful word. What made you choose that? And uh, what does it mean for you? Yeah, grit is a very important word for me, and it's become one of my themes in life. I, When I have to pick a word for myself, it's often grit related, you know, resilience or, Mm -hmm. um, gritty, you know, that, that ability to keep, yes, yes. Keep getting up no matter what life throws at you. And to me, that's just become a big part of my theme and my essence. And, and in recent years, there've been a couple of pretty significant things that happened in my life. And, going through the process of being knocked down pretty far and building back up from that has taught me so much about myself and has, you know, made me not, not just reinvent myself, but my business. And, um, it's all grown in ways I never could have predicted and never would have happened without having that experience. So it's really important to me to talk with people about grit and, and the importance of it. You know, I remember in Count Me In, which um, for those that don't know, this was a great program. Is, is it still going on, Isisara? Uh, no, no. Okay. But there is a Count Me In community of alumni who gather on Facebook. Yes. But yes. it's a Count Me In for Women's Economic Independence to help women grow their micro businesses to the million dollar level. 
Yes, and it was a wonderful, wonderful group. I was part of it and um, kept in contact with my growth group for many years. In mm -hmm. fact, we, we're still in loose contact. We try to have calls every quarter still. But um, the interesting thing about that experience, because the, the 10 of us have been part of each other's worlds for now several years, it's very interesting because I think probably at one time or another, each of us in our businesses has been at the point of giving up, you know, has been at the point of why yes. am I doing this? I just can't do this mm -hmm. anymore. And because we've stuck with the group and seen what's evolved over the years and, you know, seen one of my, um, one of the women in my group has a thriving business doing organic school lunches in New York and she's growing and, and she's, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. But I clearly remember the day when she was on the phone crying going, I cannot do this. This is ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yes. it's just, and a those times definitely come when it feels absolutely hopeless. Yeah. You know, um, I heard someone say something recently, which I really enjoyed. And that is there are those pain periods uh, and it feels desolate and hopeless. And then there are times when the cure for that or the healing for that is just as ugly as the thing that was causing the pain in the first place. So there's a double amount of endurance that's needed. Uh, and I real that was really helpful to me because when we say the term healing, we tend to have this lovely rosy, rainbows, mm. sunlight feeling about it. And a healing process can be really hard. So we do ourselves a favor when we know that there are challenges which are difficult. And sometimes going through the healing of that challenge or the resolution can be equally hard. But out of that comes something powerful. Anybody who's had a baby knows that childbirth is painful and difficult. When we look at the caterpillar coming out of the chrysalis to become a butterfly, it's a gooey mess for a while. And if it comes out too soon, then it never develops as a butterfly. And when it's in that chrysalis and it begins to change and flex, it is the flexing against the hardness of the shell that allows the butterfly wings to develop enough strength to open up, which is why it's never good to help uh, something in an egg to help it come out of its shell because it needs that fight, that ugly, painful fight to develop the grit and the strength mm -hmm. to be who they were born to be. Uh, one of the definitions of grit, of the verb, is uh, to clench, especially in order to keep your resolve when faced with an unpleasant or painful duty. So gritting your teeth through something is that process that I'm talking about, which then gives you the noun definition of grit, which is courage, resolve, and strength of character. Yeah, that's really good. And it's I, <laughs> I especially like the imagery of the gooey mess because... <laughs> you know, who hasn't felt like that? And I also appreciate you saying that it certainly can be hard. It, it can be harder and it can take longer to recover from one of those yeah. you know, pretty serious blows than you can ever imagine. Yet just that ability to keep going and know yes. that it's going to be over eventually is absolutely. So worth it. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. You well, know, that's we, why I was saying before about that, uh, you know, we we live in a world of spirals. You know, we have the sun, which we say goes up and comes down. It really is the way our planet moves. But, you know, the tides go in and out and time, which we have created, but goes around. We have our time when we sleep and the time when we're awake. So when we get challenges and when we feel frustrated or afraid or like this is the end, we have to know that it's not. We have to mm-hmm. look at life around us and realize that it's not. Nothing is ever the end. Things transform. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to make space for the new thing by letting Absolutely. the old thing go, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the, the closet syndrome. You know, you have all the old clothes in the closet because you're thinking, oh, I might fit into this again, or I really liked this and I'm going to hold on to it. The style might come back around. But after a while, you have a closet stuck full of the past. And in order to both see what you have and to make room for more, you've got to get rid of stuff. And I think that it, grit is a very important word for me. It's that stick with itness. Yet there is this ebb and flow. There's this dance, this elegant dance with life, because it doesn't make sense to stick with something that at some point no longer makes sense. You know, you have to also know when to let it go. Absolutely. Life is a series of meetings and partings. That's with people, that's with jobs, that's with things that we like one minute, we may outgrow hobbies, all kinds of things. Having the grace to both enjoy it while we have it and to let it lovingly go when it has spent its time with us is a great gift to give ourselves. Mm, that's beautifully put. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isisara, I want yes. to ask you something. So uh, this is slightly shifting gears, but when I saw you speak up in Syracuse, you played this little game with the audience that was called mm-hmm. Stand If. And I found that a very powerful experience. I had never, I've never been, I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. And um, I was hoping you could just kind of describe it and um, talk about, I, I assume you've used it in other events, so you maybe talk about Oh, many what, times, many times, many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, so tell us about that exercise. <laughs> okay. It was very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, actually based on a theater game, and it can be done in a number of ways. You can lay a line down the center of a room, and uh, the crux of it is you make a statement And if people not agree with the statement, but if it applies to them, they can either stand up and see who else it applies to and then sit down. Or if it's at a line in the middle of a room, you can walk to the line and then walk back. And the statements are all kinds of life experiences uh, about who you are. Are you the oldest or the youngest? Are you married? Are you single? Uh, Have you written a book? Were you ever class president? And they can be more serious ones, uh, like have you survived a fire or an earthquake, been in a war zone, had a gun pointed at you? And the purpose of the exercise is based on a couple of things. One is we are complex human beings and we have so many life experiences, many of which we discount because we think they're either not as great as someone else's or as serious as others. Uh, And so one of the things that 
that process does is allows us to see who else has walked that particular walk with us, whatever it is we're standing for. So when you stand at the statement, you look around to see who else is standing with you and then you sit down. It lets you know that whatever it is you've done, you're not alone and that others have experienced it too, particularly when things are happening that are kind of devastating to us. We tend to feel like we're the only ones suffering through this. No one else would understand. And we don't reach out for help. And we think that we are alone. So seeing that exercise um, helps us to do that. The other thing that it does is that it allows us to be witnessed in the fullness of who we are. I think all of us want at some point to be truly seen by at least one other person in life. I think that's part of what we strive for when we create partnerships, either in business or we create romantic partnerships or familial partnerships. We would love to be known and seen for all of who we are and accepted in that moment. So that exercise allows us to do that without having to go into the particulars. So you don't have to share all the gory details and turn everybody around you into a, a big gossip. So what happened with you and what did that mean? You can just be witnessed as a human being. It also gives us the opportunity to witness others so that we can open up this sense of community. And then when we meet people in the future, this will remind us this person in front of me, despite the quick snap judgments we have about them, has lived a very intricate, full, rich, challenging life. And if we can just take that into consideration for a second, we can be present to each other. We can see each other more in our fullness and we can expand this energy of acceptance around the world. So it's a simple exercise with a powerful underlying energy to it. Many times people are reminded of things that happened to them a long time ago that they just threw back into the storehouse or into the attic of experiences and not realizing how important or powerful or devastating it was. I've had people, I've done this in so many different places. And one woman said to me, she was at um, Women of the World event in London and I was doing it there. And uh, she stood up for a couple of things. Her daughters were with her and they looked at her in surprise at some of the things she mm. stood up for because, you know, our kids forget to think of us as real human beings. They just see us as, you know, parents. And that gave her a chance to show her humanity to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a good, and that's the word, as I was there in the audience, that's the word that occurred to me so loudly in my own head was, wow, this is humanity. You know, this is, we're all the same. You know, we're all together. We, we haven't all had the same experiences, of course, but yes. nobody was unscathed. You know, everybody yes, had something. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, just like the the women in the audience being surprised that their mom stood up for some things, I think we mm -hmm. tend to forget in business that our clients are complex human, human beings and, the you know, the people we're pitching an idea to or the employees or, you know, it's it's so easy to just give people these labels and, and think of them as this one dimension. But it, it's just yes. not... Not the best way to deal with people. Yeah. Well, you know, we bring our whole self wherever we go. 
we're in a job or the people who work for you or you as an entrepreneur, uh, you're not separating the other aspects of your life. You may think you are, but they all show. And if we can give ourselves a little break in terms of being human and then give others the same kind of break, then I think we have reached something really important. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It was it was a very powerful yeah it was very powerful for me just being part of that and it's nothing that it's not something I'm going to forget anytime soon so it's very good I'm so glad yeah yeah thank you and so you work with all kinds of different business people and have done so for many 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 years is there a place that you commonly see people getting stuck is it in their own stories or is it What do you see? So uh, I'd say I'm going to speak with business people, and I'm including myself in this. Many of us don't really understand the financial aspects of our business or of our lives. And that I have found to be very important. It's difficult to come up with creative ideas or new ways of doing things in your business if you don't know the numbers, if you don't have the stats to know what you're working with. So that would be one. And I find that it also is the fruit, is the byproduct of fear. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've had to deal with in myself, too. I'm much more of a cultural creative. Uh, so numbers have intimidated me for a long time and I have to make an effort to either get the help I need or apply myself differently. And that leads me to the next thing. We often don't ask for help when we need it. We find it as a sign of weakness. We think people will think less of us because of it when the opposite is true. Some people will, of course, if they're a rival of yours or feel that they are. But generally, people in your life want to know that they can be of help to you. Many people understand that in order to get, they really must give. They must be a giver. That is how life works. Reciprocity is one of the laws of the universe. And when we ask someone for their assistance, we honor them because we're saying that I know you know something that I don't and I trust your wisdom to guide me. So I think when we're vulnerable to others in that way, whether it's in a business setting or personally, when we're vulnerable about our shortcomings to someone else, we display our humanity. And for most people, that is endearing. So that would be the other, that we don't ask for help enough. And so I think when you said, is it being subject to our stories? Yes, absolutely. Because there's so many aspects of our stories we may be unconscious to. Mm -hmm. We don't remember. We don't analyze the impact of things that uh, were present in our lives when we were young that have created a blueprint for how we operate now. So we're unconscious to so much. And uh, looking at your story, remember we were just talking about, I don't know if it was during the recording or just before, but uh, we were talking about looking at our children and seeing things that they may do and or the way that they are or act and wanting it to change. I know for me that was the case. And then realizing, you know, my daughter's lived with me her whole life. You know, if there's something she's doing, it may be something she saw me do. So uh, I need to stop uh, looking at her and look at myself. 
So I think in many instances, we forget that the circumstances outside of our lives, the things that we are manifesting are the result of our own behavior or way of thinking. So, yep, it's an inside job. <laughs> it is. In fact, I would say all the time, we've, we've on some level created our reality of whatever we're living in at any given time, I think. Yep. Good or bad. Yep. Good or so. bad, absolutely. We should take credit for the wonderful things that happen, too, and be thankful that we were in that state of mind that caused that to be. Yes. Yes, absolutely, because cause I guess we, we come into the world with nothing, we leave it with nothing, and everything in between we create on some level. You know, not on some level, we, we create and stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep. ab- absolutely. How much do you allow yourself to be guided by things like intuition? Are you uh, one of these people that has a gut feeling and acts on it? I do. I'm very much guided by intuition. I I find myself having a pretty good blend of using my intuition as a counterbalance to whatever facts that I see. So if the facts line up in a certain way and my intuition is also in that direction, it just reinforces to me what is. And if they are in a discrepancy, then what I will probably do is go to my intuition or feelings and do some excavating work, kind of like uh, the way people might um, analyze dreams. You know, we have dreams when we're asleep and we have waking dreams, the dreams of the kinds of life we want to live or are living. And the interesting thing about dreams or analyzing dreams is to remember that all aspects of the dream are you. Are me. So even when we dream of someone else and we might say, oh, I had a dream about you last night and called them, it more has to do with who they represent in our lives than something that's happening with them. So I look at my intuition, I look at the feeling that I have, and I unpack it to see what's in it and what where it may come from so that I just have more information for when I'm moving forward. And then when I do move forward and it doesn't work in the way that I had hoped or anticipate, Um, I'm fortunate in that I realized that I just discovered another way that won't work. I try not to dwell on things as being wrong. I try to see them as discovery. So that's how I would use my intuition. Yeah, yeah. And I like that discovery. That's a great word. And, um, you know, I, I, well, you probably don't know, but I work with um, horses. I have a horse and I do what's called natural horsemanship. And so... A lot of the times with my horse, I um, it, th- this this philosophy of horsemanship is all built on um, communication with the horse and developing a relationship and a partnership with the horse. And a lot of times with my horse, there's no ropes involved, there's no halter, there's no bridle, and it's I'm really wow. interested in this partnership. And yes. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. she mm-hmm. she simply doesn't do what I want. And it's but it's really interesting. My my horse mentor um, has has taught me to when those times happen, you know, not to get frustrated, not to get angry, but to just kind of take a pause. That pause is so powerful, and to be like, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. That that word discovery made me think of that. When something in life doesn't go quite right, it's it's that's interesting. (laughs) Okay. Well, it doesn't go quite the way we wanted or thought it would. 
Right. Not sure if it's right or wrong. We could be completely wrong. Um, we could not know what really is there. We want there are things that we want, but again, perhaps it's based on limited understanding. I love the fact, though, that you are in relationship with the horse. You know, energetically and intuitively, there seems to be a great amount of respect between the two of you in order to not have, you know, a bridle and all of that. There's some real communication. I'm sure the horse appreciates it. And sometimes the horse just don't feel like it. You know, that's, <laughs> I was, I was up there this weekend and I was riding her around like, like I described with no bridle and, and we, we rode, I rode for a while. And then I got to a point where I had this idea that we were in the arena and I got this idea that we were going to go to the left and my horse was like, no, we're going to the right. And so I, so I, I was like, okay, fine. It doesn't matter. And she, she walked right over to the, the place where I, you know, get on and off of her and she stopped and she, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm done now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get <laughs> off now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I once heard it a was... minister say, um, God always answers prayers and sometimes the answer is no. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. And you know, I think there is a divine timing. I think it's it's interesting. My daughter just sent me flowers for Mother's Day and they didn't show up and she was really mad and upset. And um so I didn't know she called the florist and and she arranged for them to be resent and um she just told me that they're coming i'm doing a series of live stream videos um starting on saturday and she just let me know and i and i had this idea in my head that i wanted to have flowers in the shop you know live flowers it was important to me and i was envisioning it and she just yeah. she just let me know. She's like, "Hey, mom, you know, I'm so sorry the flowers weren't there for Mother's Day, but they're going to be coming on Saturday." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my yes. gosh, that's perfect!" Just but in time for your shoot. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's it's just a small Wonderful. example, but how many times does it work out not the way we wanted, but the way it yeah. should be? You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. So, Isisara, like I said at the beginning, I could talk to you for many hours on end, and I would love to do so, but I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, is there any last, you know, key hmm. to happiness, words of wisdom, um, story, hmm. and anything you, you feel intuitively you'd like to leave us with? I think I'm just going to go. There's something that's printed right in front of me. I'll just read that. If there's something you believe in and something that you want to put out into the world, even if it's a little bit different, just go do it. Mm, just go do it. Just go do it. Get off the couch. Get and it's, it's on my wall because I have to keep saying that to myself as well. So remember, we're all in this together. Absolutely. All part of the sea of humanity. I love Thank it. Thank you, Ellen. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really loved talking with you and, and appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody. All the for... best to you. Yes, thank you, Isisara. Uh-huh. My guest was Isisara Bay. She's the founder of Journey Agent Productions, and she is its chief journey maker. You can find this complete interview links to Isisara's website on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again for joining us and check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on how to turn your daydream into a phenomenal success. 
Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, Inspired Actions, Real Results.